so snotty. He's crying. You're crying. <laughs> Wait, why haven't we talked about Sincerely Me? I love that song. And anybody that says that they didn't deserve the lighting Tony, you're The wrong. lighting is so good. He says kinky really great. Mike Feist, who Mike Feist. Wow, I love him. I enjoy something that's going to like really hit me emotionally. Wow, I'm going to cry. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking about Dear Evan Hansen. We've been waiting forever. We have been waiting forever. (laughs) No pun intended. For forever. Yes. Big disclaimer before we get into anything. There will be spoilers in this podcast, but also the show has been out for three years, so if you don't know what happens, maybe just don't listen to this episode. We have just seen the Canadian production of mm. Dear Evan Hansen for the second time for yeah, both of us. both of us. This is the first time we saw it together, though. Yes. And we also sat second row. It was very close. Oh, my God. We were basically in the show. <laughs> they were crying on us. <laughs> they were crying and spitting on us. So let's take it back before we talk mm. about this specific production. Dear Evan Hansen opened on Broadway at the Music Box Theater in December of 2016 after it had its world premiere in Washington at the Arena Stage in July of 2015, and then they had an off-Broadway production at the Second Stage Theater from March to May of 2016. They were also nominated for nine Tony Awards at the 2017 71st Annual Tony Awards, and they won six, including Best Musical, Best Score, Best Actor in a Musical for Ben Platt, and Best Featured Actress in a Musical for Rachel A. Jones. A little synopsis of Dear Evan Hansen? Sure. A teenager in high school who's feeling quite isolated gets kind of sucked into a lie Mm -hmm. and doesn't know how to escape yes is that (laughs) i think that's fair that's a that's a no spoilers um little synopsis of dear van hansen um we should also mention that this story is loosely based on a true story um benj pasik had i don't know if it was a friend or someone that he knew in high school i think a classmate yeah um of his died in high school and he kind of observed the way that other classmates reacted to it, whether they knew that person or didn't know that right. person. And it's kind of... There are many characters in Dear Evan Hansen who did not know Connor, who dies in Dear Evan Hansen, and the way that they react is very interesting. So when was the first time that you heard about this musical? I think I saw Ben Platt performing Waving Through a Window. Try to speak, but nobody can hear So I wait around for an answer to appear While I'm Watching people pass. I'm waving through a window. Can anybody see? Is anybody waving back at me? Somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe like the Drama Desk Awards. Yeah. That sounds right. I had, so before the cast recording was out, I had ripped from YouTube Ben Platt singing Waving Through a Window live. Wow. So I had that song on my iPod for my iPod (laughs) (laughs) forever yeah um before the cast recording before everything so that was like my first entry into it I actually think that I was in New York in 2016 and remember seeing a poster Mm -hmm. for it off Broadway Mm -hmm. and then later obviously heard about all of the hype and the phenomenon of this show I also heard Ben Platt sing Waving Through a Window somewhere yeah somewhere yeah and then it just started it was one of those things that I mean He's a popular person. He's a celebrity. Yeah. He's he, just on Pitch Perfect. Right. He wasn't that celebrity at that time. No, but, but I was, knew him from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, and yeah. he was one of those people that um, different versions of him singing just came up on my Instagram Explore page. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that's how I got into it. I did see the show on Broadway in 2017. He was out that night. (laughs) It was a lot to process because I specifically went to New York to see it, but Michael Lee Brown was amazing. Um, And I've said this to you, I think that was the beginning of the end for him, is that role is so hard to play. And we'll obviously talk about it as we get into this. But um, he was on vacation was scheduled to come back that went on vocal rest for like a month and then Mm -hmm. continued to just scale back his performances until he did like five a week and then he left yeah i think the current schedule well the current evan on broadway does five a week with an alternate doing the other three he's 17 he's 17 years old so that might be uh, a special 17 year old schedule for him but i think taylor trench did six a week and the alternate did two yeah so it's i don't know there's very few songs in the show maybe two that Evan doesn't sing in mm-hmm. even if he's not singing them he's somewhere on stage mm-hmm. and he's usually crying, crying <laughs> and singing at the top of his voice yeah it's really yeah. really tough I think it was at the um, Tony Awards that I really was like I need to see the show mm-hmm. Ben Platt singing Waving Through a Window his... and then him winning was just that was cute his voice I think for the first year of that show It was all about Ben. Mm -hmm. Like, him... And the the cast knew that. Yeah, the focus of Jeremy Hansen was about Ben and the performance he was giving in the middle. And then when he left, I think it allowed maybe the show to have more breathing room and to allow maybe the other actors to play around more. Mm -hmm. Uh, This show has kind of turned into a bit of a phenomenon, I think. Yeah. It came out the year after Hamilton. Yes. Which that is... We were primed for another phenomenon. Yeah, honestly. it's true. I, th- I might have been two back-to-back phenomenons that Broadway was not ready for. The lineups outside of those theaters, like, mm-hmm. this ticket was hard to mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, I think, a show... There's a lot of social media aspects in the show. Right. Which helps with social media in real life and people searching it and looking at the music and all of that stuff. I also think the show itself is good at capitalizing on the social media. They're always releasing new videos of oh my the God. cast, yeah, so many so more music videos, albums. They've got a novelization. They've got like a companion book to it. Mm-hmm. So they're really good at putting it out there. And also... They're really great on Instagram. And also it's about teenagers. So teenagers relate to it. And teenagers are the demographic that creates phenomenons, that creates fandom. So to have it be about teenagers, targeted toward teenagers, um, really lent itself to being... Yeah, it's also a show that... I mean, in New York for sure, but even now here, when you say I'm seeing Dear Evan Hansen, mm-hmm. everybody knows what it is. Yeah, everyone knows what it is. Everyone has an opinion. <laughs> yes. And I think now is the time to talk about the opinions. This segment is called With Fans Comes Haters. <laughs> yes. So something that I have been talking to you about a lot, and mm-hmm. I think this is it's super interesting that we are finally talking about this uh, show in an episode, because mm-hmm. when I saw it, I saw it. Like I said, the first time in 2017, and then I saw it in Toronto in March as part of the Mervish subscription. And we just recently went. I have been living with my own review for two years now <laughs> and hearing coworkers and friends and mutual friends and just the media in general mm-hmm. talk about this show in such a negative way made mm-hmm. me think, am I wrong? Am I wrong for liking this musical? I mean, I don't know if anyone's wrong because everything speaks to everyone in a different way. But, and like, I hear all the critiques and I understand, I would say most of them. Some I'm just okay. But (laughs) I understand most of them and I understand where people have issues with the show. But I also personally enjoy it. 
Yeah, and me too. And it personally too. touches me. Yeah. So I, I'm able to, I guess, separate it. And something that I've said all the time is I'm fully blinded by the music in this show because yes. that score is phenomenal. Yes, I Shout agree. Shout out to Pasig and Paul. Pasig and Paul. Um, a friend of mine said something that I like and I'm going to steal, and she said, the show does not live up to the music. Yeah. Like, it's not The book as is good definitely as not as strong. 100%. It's tough, and I also think people go in with expectations and don't know what the show is actually about and then leave and are kind of surprised and maybe off put by what actually happened mm-hmm. versus what they thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that can get definitely color people's opinions. Yeah. Like the first time that I saw it, I had religiously listened to the mm-hmm. cast album. So I knew generally what the mm-hmm. storyline was and I knew how much I loved the music. So maybe when I saw it for the first time, I was one overwhelmed because mm-hmm. I didn't think that I'd be able to see it as soon as I did. And two, mm-hmm. I was listening to these songs that I love so much performed live into such a huge scale mm-hmm. of an audience that everything else didn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said to you after seeing it for the third time, I fully understand yeah. why people have a problem with this. However, I don't know why they have such a strong There's so hate. much anger. <laughs> we'll say it right now. Yes, the story is about a liar. It is. Yeah. But people lie. And I know. Teenagers lie. lie. And they get caught up in things. And it's hard to get out of it. So to say that that's unrealistic, I'm not sure that that's actually the case. Yeah. So to be more specific, Evan um, is writing a letter to himself uh, on assignment from his therapist mm-hmm. saying, Dear Evan Hansen. And he's in the computer lab printing it out. He's feels quite alone. He it's never specifically said like what he's dealing with, but we assume maybe anxiety, yeah. depression. Mm-hmm. And Connor, who we've seen is kind of a, a teenager also who is acting out, who his parents are struggling with, who his sister is struggling with, who has a reputation at the school. And you see him meet Evan and then find the letter that Evan wrote to himself and think that Evan was trying to do something to him with this letter. And his family, because he talks about his sister. Yes, who Evan has a crush on. So a few days later, Connor hasn't been to school, and Evan finds out that Connor has died by suicide, and his parents, finding the letter that Evan wrote to himself... Thought that it was the suicide note. Thought it was Connor's suicide note written to Evan. And Evan tries to tell them that he wrote the letter, that's not what he thinks, but Connor's parents in that moment are so comforted by this letter that mm-hmm. their son had this friend they didn't know he had friends and Evan eventually just kind of gives in to these extremely emotional grieving parents he doesn't want to take away this memory of their son yeah. he doesn't want to like make anything more difficult for them and he says multiple times that he's doing this to help the Murphys mm-hmm. and it just ends up spiraling and spiraling and spiraling from there and he tried to get out of it in that first instance and he just he just couldn't figure out a way out until right at the end. I also think that in that moment, and I think that's sort of what they tried to portray in that moment, it mm-hmm. didn't matter how much he tried to convince them. The fact that they see Evan's name, mm-hmm. they're just going to be fixated on that. And this is the last thing that they think that they have of their son. So it just doesn't matter. Even when Evan, spoiler alert, does tell them the truth, he it's gone on too far and he has to tell them they don't want to believe it the mom keeps saying no that's not true remember this and you as the audience know Evan's finally telling the truth in this moment and your heart is breaking for Cynthia who's just trying to hold on to this good memory of her son 
Yes, that's one thing, but the other criticism, the specific criticism, is that I feel no emotion towards the character of Evan. And I completely disagree with that. I, yeah, I don't understand that. And I mean, maybe we just saw great performances and other people saw performances they couldn't relate to in that moment. We That's the beauty of theater. Every night is different. So mm-hmm. who knows actually what anyone saw. But... <laughs> I, to, to watch a kid with social anxiety mm-hmm. to the extent that he does, mm-hmm. I it's not fully diagnosed, no. obviously. Mm-hmm. To watch someone fully have that entire transformation from the beginning of the show until the end and feel nothing for him, mm-hmm. that makes me upset. <laughs> Poor Evan. Yeah, it's hard. I see Evan as a character who is like a people pleaser who just never resists anything anyone says to him. Someone asks him to do something, he's like, yeah, sure. Even if he doesn't intend on doing it or if it doesn't work for him or if it's not true, he just is always going to go along Mm -hmm. to make things simpler. He's not someone who's going to fight against anything. So in this instance, when he just kind of goes along, it has serious, serious consequences. And in other situations, it might have just brushed past. I mean, I know definitely I've gone along with something just for simplicity obviously never to these extreme consequences Mm -hmm. that Evan is facing the other aspect of that is that he has a broken family life as Mm -hmm. do the Murphys and as Zoe says at the end of the show is that everybody needed this for something Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that I know people aren't fine with that I mean the lying was bad the lying was bad like no one is saying the lying wasn't bad but it helped Connor's family it helped so many other people Um, who saw Evan's speech, who heard about Connor's story, who related to either one of them. It helped so many people in the story to, I don't know, look within themselves or to, I don't know, understand. Mm -hmm. So it it was a lie and it was a bad lie, but it, I don't know, it did some good. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's complicated. It's great. It is. It's so complicated. (laughs) And also, as we talk about with all shows that we see, if you didn't have flawed characters, this musical would be nothing. No, I don't want to see like black and white stories. I don't want to see perfect characters. I want to see flawed characters because that's it's more interesting to watch a flawed person go yeah. through a situation than a perfect person. I don't yeah. care about those the people. The other major criticism, and it's something that makes me so mad, is there's no consequence for Evan. What would you have liked <laughs> to seen as a consequence? It, this kid is so anxious. Mm-hmm. He's basically telling people well he doesn't tell them until the very end but he's suicidal Mm -hmm. and to me if there was a consequence he would not be in the show at the end of the show yeah i i don't know i mean nothing he did is illegal so he's not gonna get arrested guys (laughs) let's not Um, take him to jail we don't need that and the murphys they saw you know as soon as the story picked up traction they were getting so much online hate in the story and if they had told people that it was all a lie. Could you imagine the what people would have said or done to Evan mm-hmm. from just strangers? So they saw, I think, you know, uh, a hurt teenager and didn't pile onto him. It, it Alana knew, Jared knew, his mom knew, the Murphys knew, but it's just not necessary to tell Murphy. I think he felt his own consequences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the whole show he was feeling so anxious, like that whole second half of Act Two, oh, man. where Evan is just on stage crying, and Connor, who is Evan's kind of manifestation of him speaking to himself, is kind of goading him and speaking to him, and you're just your heart is breaking for Evan, or mine was. I yeah, don't know. mine too. <laughs> Your heart is breaking for him. I don't know what further consequences 
you would impose on him that he isn't already putting on himself or he isn't already feeling. Right. I totally agree with that for sure. And then there's the whole... The one criticism, and we've mm-hmm. talked about this, that I think does stand true, but after mm-hmm. thinking about it for a long time, like, oh, maybe they couldn't do it this way. There's no justice for Connor. Yeah, the justice for Connor, I feel like Connor is gone from the story at this point. And so the people who have to move on are his family, are Evan, are his classmates. And so not that Connor's not important, but it's how he's remembered or how his family honors him. And even though the apple orchard was the money was raised and it was built based on this lie it gave his parents somewhere that they could go and remember him it gave zoe somewhere Mm -hmm. wow i'm gonna cry guys (laughs) (laughs) but it gave people a place that they could go and remember connor even any kind of memories at the end when zoe says to evan i always picture you guys here even though they were never there i'm like oh (laughs) they were never there they never even knew each other other. but it like (laughs) She remembers her brother happy with a friend, even though that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's totally true. I think my initial thoughts mm-hmm. on this are that we don't get any character development of Connor, mm-hmm. even from the very beginning. But a conversation that Shar and I had very recently yeah. was that this show is not called Dear Connor Murphy. No. It's called Dear Evan Hansen. So mm-hmm. why would we focus heavily on a character mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much that you can go into, and this show is already two hours and 45 minutes. (laughs) So to deep dive and go fully into a character that Mm -hmm. the show is not 100% about, but also is about, is difficult. The show is about a reaction to one of his actions. Yeah. I do think, I I do somewhat understand him. You see him at breakfast with his family, and you see that interaction with Evan, where he's kind to Evan, Mm -hmm. um, and... Just speak Which quick. is a that's a yeah. This is a Canadian choice. Yeah, so that he's kind. Let's to speak Evan. about that a little bit. I I have only seen the Canadian production, so I've only seen Sean Dolan's interpretation of of Connor. And when he signs Evan's cast, he does it in like such a kind way, and he takes his time and is like really thoughtful about signing Connor, even though he signs it huge, which is kind of funny. But he signs it so kindly and then he says now we can both pretend we have friends yeah and the and way that he says it too is very it's so heartbreaking sweet. yeah and then when he finds the letter and sees that it's it mentions zoe it's in like it, flip the switch yeah and you see how quick he is to anger or how i don't know close to the surface that is yeah i i understand him and so when zoe speaks about him i can imagine from that incident different things that might have happened when they were growing up or how they knew each other. I think the Canadian way of doing that also shows that Connor did have something else going on that we never saw. It humanizes him Mm -hmm. in a way for a moment. Whereas when I saw it on Broadway, Mike Feist, who... Mike Feist. Wow, I love him. (laughs) um, He was kind of an aggressive Connor. Mm -hmm. And that portrayal is also super interesting to me specifically Mm -hmm. for the line in to break in a glove when larry Mm -hmm. says um for a kid that's lost control Mm -hmm. so that to me was a little more believable of someone like going off and Mm -hmm. not being able to um reel back in going to rehab the way Mm -hmm. that he's aggressive with his sister it made sense to me that he was aggressive with Mm -hmm. evan but it is interesting to take this almost sweet approach to it Mm -hmm. and i do agree with you it definitely humanizes the character of connor Mm -hmm. and that's really only the humanization we ever see yeah it makes him seem like younger if that makes sense that maybe 30 seconds of that scene yeah Something else that a lot of people are pretty upset with is the Zoe and Evan relationship. Zoe is Connor's sister, and Evan has had a crush on Zoe 
for, I would assume, a really long time. Yeah. Um, they end up dating. Right. So through them having conversations about Connor. So after Connor's parents, you know, find out um, Evan and Connor were best friends, they start inviting Evan over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And Evan and Zoe start to spend more and more time together through that. So this lie that he told at this point is not just having benefits for the Murphy family, but it's also getting Evan closer to his crush. So you can see why he would be less and less inclined to set the record straight because he's he's getting something that he's always wanted. Yes, but a part of me also thinks that, I don't know that, and I think this is part of them mm-hmm. undiagnosing his anxiety disorder, but mm-hmm. I don't know that he 100% feels that he's in the wrong with what he's doing. I think he knows I, overall that this lie is getting bad, out of yeah. hand, but the fact that he can't see it a different way, that might be something that holds true to whatever he might have. Yeah, I mean, the the fact is that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and, another criticism. And that is another criticism. I, I mean, I don't mind that. I think yeah, the fact I don't need that, to know. You don't need to put a label on it. No, they don't specifically diagnose Evan or, let's say, Connor. And I think that allows the audience to kind of project onto those characters and to see, you know, elements of them in people that they know or in themselves. Um, And I also feel like when you specifically diagnose, there's a danger of feeling like, oh, well, that's not how it is for me. Right. That's not how it is for this person or expecting to represent an entire community. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this way, it's just kind of general and you can project onto it or not what you believe. Yeah. And the answer is Evan might not even have a diagnosis you know that's also true they they might not know he's has tools that he's using that he's been given by his therapist to like try and deal with whatever he's going through but they might not have something specific for him Mm -hmm. they just might be helping him yeah i do i do understand the that he takes it too far with zoe Mm -hmm. but then it is what i feel ickiest about honestly because the word creepy is thrown out i don't think it's creepy because I mean, everybody can relate to having a high school crush. And you know everything that this person is doing. You know what their next class is. You know all of this stuff. So to say that that is creepy and he's stalking her, I don't don't think think that's true at all. He's he's a 17, 16? Yeah. However old he is, boy, who has a major crush on a girl. And he's just interested in her life. Who writes in his private letters or private diary about her, which everyone would do. Mm -hmm. The fact that the this lie that he told ends up having the unintended but the unintended consequence of getting him in a relationship with Zoe and Zoe thinking that her brother and Evan were friends and that kind of being a little bit of the basis of their relationship how they became close and that he continues to keep this from her mm-hmm. until the end obviously mm-hmm. is a little bit icky to me and like right. bothers me but I like, I, like, I don't mind it as a story point, yeah. but I do... That's, like, the worst thing Evan does for me. Did he say anything else? Uh, about you? <laughs> Never mind, I don't really care. No, 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 just, no, no, he said, he said so many things. I'm just, I'm trying to remember the best ones. Um, he thought you looked really pretty, or uh, it looked pretty cool when you put indigo streaks in your hair. He did. <laughs> Yes, but then it also becomes a little bit justified for me and only us when she says, like, let's not talk about my brother. Let's just focus on us. <laughs> I think, but the relationship I think she is based would, off a lie. I think she would accept talking about her brother if it was to say, hi, I don't actually know him. <laughs> I think she would accept that at that moment. But in that moment, she's just saying, like, 
we can't have a relationship. All you're going to talk about is my dead brother. We need to Which actually. Which is fair. Yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> agree. But I, again, I think she would have been open to say to him letting her know. What What are you supposed to say to her in that moment? <laughs> I don't know. It's what so hard. It is hard. It's so complicated. But that's why I also think that at the end of the day, like, this is in a way relatable. I think. In real life. Yes. I think it's honestly great. The show inspires so much discussion yeah, and anger. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love it. Do you want to talk about Jared and Alana too? Yes. <laughs> we are Jared Kleinman stands, obviously. True. With the fact that people hate the character of Evan makes me wonder how they can't hate the character of Jared and Alana. Mm-hmm. Because let's be real. Jared is going along with this whole thing just yeah. as much as Evan is. Jared he's just is not fully complicit. speaking to mm-hmm. the Murphys, but he's writing the in, emails. In act two, when he tries to like insert himself into their friendship, of course. he's trying to like take advantage of the same thing yeah. that Evan is gaining. Evan's becoming somewhat popular from this, from being having been friends with Connor. And Jared's trying to and insert himself Jared wants himself to be more that. than family yeah. friends with Evan at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, I see Jared and Alana as kind of two sides, or even like a third and fourth side of the same cube or square that Connor and Evan are. They're people who are maybe lost or maybe alone or who don't have a place and through this horrible thing kind of end up finding a place. Like Alana becomes co-president of the Connor Murphy Project and becomes... Because they're close acquaintances. Because they're close acquaintances and she uses it to... to further herself and so does Jared he writing the letters so that his parents will pay for his car insurance yeah. so Evan will tell his mom and then he also was selling the buttons with Connor's face on it and I don't think I don't think anything anyone does in this show is malicious and I don't think what they're doing is malicious it's just they they're looking for the same thing Evan's looking for everybody wants to be a part of something and even Zoe yeah for sure her Going out with Evan and her allowing him into their family and even talking Mm -hmm. about Connor in general, like, she's looking for that in her Mm -hmm. life. She, like, didn't have the brother that she had wanted. Yeah. Or that that had, like... And even the Murphys. Yeah. Like, Evan was the son that they always wanted to have. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is terrible, but also it brought them comfort. They loved Connor, but he was not an easy son to have. And to be able to have Evan there, like, maybe they felt like they were fixing something or correcting something mm-hmm. that they couldn't um but yeah at the end of the day everybody just wanted to be a part of something i think every character show is looking for the same thing and yeah. i feel like that's fully relatable to an audience just looking for somewhere to belong to someone to accept them to have something from it so even i think jared and alana jared and alana are the characters as i was saying that benj Pasek kind yes. of took from his school like yeah. people who did not know the person who had died yeah yet we're talking about oh we were close acquaintances we were in English class together we were they're looking selling for, the buttons they're looking the for some part to grab onto to be included to be included and it's uh, it's so interesting human nature is so interesting honestly yeah but that's why again the the criticism of that's unrealistic I don't think that's no. unrealistic at all humans are weird humans do terrible things of course like, yeah so now that we have discussed all of the hate <laughs> not even hate but just like not even controversy just different opinions different perspectives on it i i just i see all of those of course views and i said to you when we I understand when we them we've had many it. a conversation about we this totally show we have we have an entire facebook chat about people's thoughts <laughs> on this show and it took me like nine co-workers for someone to be like i love that 
it was heartbreaking to me because yeah. I thought that I was alone in this and that I know you saw and you loved yeah. it the first time you saw it, but... It's just so emotional. It is so emotional. And, and that's, like, very... I don't know. I enjoy something that's going to, like, really hit me emotionally. So yeah. so maybe I was primed We're, to love this. We love the tears. We love having a moment where you just I, cry. I was really primed for this. Like, like, this was for me. Yeah. Let's talk about the Canadian production. Let's go. I think that the Canadian production of this show, if you were to take every single cast member and put them on Broadway, mm-hmm. they would transition seamlessly. Yeah. This cast is so strong, and I know that they took almost a year oh my god it took so long to find evan we were talking about this in january when we released like our first episode (laughs) at that point like i was ready to audition for evan we were all ready um no it feels like they took so long they kept announcing more casting calls and more casting calls for evan we're like can they not find someone because it's a tough role yeah to be able to sing so much and you don't want them to be so young Mm -hmm. but you want them to look young yeah so the canadian evan that they have Mm -hmm. is robert marcus he's Phenomenal. His voice in words fail. Oh my god! When he like, when he says like, "Worst of me." Yeah, like, he like, threw his head back he and just so... he's so snotty. He's crying. You're crying. <laughs> you're feeling all of the same emotions that he's feeling, and then he hits this note, and you're like, "Where what? did I come from?" <laughs> I never let them see the worst of me. How are you? right now like perfect tears are falling from his eyes yeah and he's fully like <laughs> on key perfect pitch like nothing oh no God. crack no nothing he was right in front of us because we were like off oh my to the God, side a little bit in the second row it and was, he was right so where we were great so, it's so funny actually in that song i was watching stephanie la rochelle in at the table reacting to the situation i i was hearing evan's beautiful voice but to watch her and even watch Larry and Cynthia react Mm -hmm. but specifically I was focused on her for so much of that song yeah the emotional breakdown that I think gets me the most is good for you onwards when Evan has that final moment with Connor he says like I can't do this anymore I can't Mm -hmm. keep telling this lie and Connor fully questions him back or his imagination Mm -hmm. of Connor fully questions him that makes me like really upset it's until the end it's bad the scene that causes me anxiety is oh the scholarship (laughs) the scholarship scene where the murphys invite heidi evan's mom over for dinner and evan doesn't know like his mom has no idea what's going on because she's a busy single mom like doing her best but it's still hard on evan Mm -hmm. she so she has no idea what's going on she's being kind of bombarded with all this information from the murphys they're offering to pay for they're also giving her information and she was given different information from evan like the fact that he's her son is like lied to her yeah and then when they offer to pay for college for evan and it's a very overwhelming situation, and I'm just like my heart is beating so fast. I'm so stressed. Yeah, for you the had whole your, cat. the program up I to just, your like, face. Can't watch. Yeah. Any time that I can't watch something, I like cover my whole face except for my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I can't. And it's in that moment that specifically, I mean, when I saw it the first time on Broadway, I was pretty far back. I think that this show needs to be seen decently far back this first time, and then once you've closer. seen it, you can go closer. Really? I almost thought that we were a little too close. I would say we could have gone like a few rows back. Yeah, I mean, it was fine for me because that was my third time yeah, seeing yeah. it and I know the story like inside and out, but mm-hmm. it's a lot to take in. It definitely is a lot to take in. I would say if you're doing, if you're getting to see it two times, see it once from the orchestra and see it once from a balcony because yes, there's so projections, many projections yeah. on the stage yeah. and also you get a bigger picture of the stage. Even though there's only eight people on stage at any time, they do do great things with the stage. Yeah, somebody else that I want to mention is, like you said, Stephanie LaRochelle. Mm-hmm. She is playing a character that I feel like out of everybody in the show is probably the most relatable to 
yes. an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of her character arc is reacting to things. Yeah. She just sits and watches and like there's a whole story going on on her face the whole mm-hmm. show. Her Requiem yes. might be the best version I've it's ever heard. It's so good. I her was... voice is stellar. That's the first time you sort of see Zoe have any mm-hmm. emotion towards the death of her brother. And she is really just going for it. She has mixed emotions because her brother was, you know, a source of trauma in her life a little Mm -hmm. bit. And so she's feeling so conflicted in that she's supposed to be feeling sad for her brother, but maybe she just feels like relief or nothing even Mm -hmm. at the death of her brother. And it's, everyone has all these expectations on her and she gets to fully like let that out in that song. I specifically in Requiem love the line where she said why should I have to say my world has gone dark without your light basically and the parents are literally in the background saying my world has gone dark without your light the contrast of both of them grieving the both of them having different relationships the parents who remember him as just like a baby mm-hmm. and her you know growing up with this conflicted sibling relationship with him oh so yeah sad. the part that gets me the most in that song is when she i think it's the bridge to the end because she's reading these emails mm-hmm. that her brother allegedly wrote and it's like this isn't adding up this isn't the person that i know like why so why should i have to believe all of this mm-hmm. that you're saying if that's not actually true and then she says don't tell me that you were not the monster yeah. that i knew I couldn't even imagine that for a girl that's going through that. So complicated. So these like emotions that she's feeling. It's not explicitly told, but I think it's pretty obvious that Connor, because of whatever he was going through and the troubled teen that he was, he got all the attention and she Mm -hmm. was just there because she was good. She was easier to deal with. Which, as we've said, is super similar to the Natalie-Diana relationship, right? In Next Normal. It's like, comes from a different place, but, you know... Natalie also was losing that attention from her mom because her mom was so focused on her perfect son Mm -hmm. that Natalie could never live up to because he didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And my final person to shout out is Alessandro Costantini. I love him. (laughs) When Steph saw it the first time, I got a text being like, Jared's amazing. And then I saw it, I was like, oh my God, Jared's amazing. So I got to see Will Rowland, who (laughs) I love. And I think that Jared for Will is like that's a meant to be role mm-hmm. he plays it so well but I also think that Alessandro and Jared like that's a meant to be role he fits it so perfectly we don't know him as a person no. we've never seen him in anything we else be but, friends, I, but I also <laughs> think that like he might be born to play that role his voice is great I love his, his comedic voice. timing is amazing he says kinky really great yeah <laughs> that's all you need to do I think Jared has the tough role of being the comedic relief in a very dark show. Yes. And the show is much funnier than you would think based on what we're discussing. It's also much funnier than I expected. Yeah, the there's time. a lot of jokes and even moments that are kind of serious have moments of levity, which I think is very true to life. Like tragic, awful things are happening and then also hilarious, unexpected things are happening at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, he gets to kind of carry a lot of the comedy of the show. It's not like Connor's parents. And I think he does a really great job at that and I love him and his million costumes changes yes we need to talk about that for a second it is unnecessary in this show for alana and jared to change as much they as they so do much every single time they're oh on stage God. they're wearing a different outfit even zoe changes a lot yeah but like one second overall she runs out in. yeah like steven levinson 
Benj Pasek, Justin Paul, can you let us know about all your costume <laughs> changes? Oh, and Michael Grave, because you directed. Like, what was what's, the inspiration? What's the costume designer? Yeah, like, just really interested. We I, love the bomber, and we love Evans Bomber. Yeah, Evans Bomber's like, I like, it shows that he's kind of grown up a little bit. Yeah. It's really good. He's, With his dock shoes, He's graduated shoes, his from shoes. the polos to the bomber. Yeah. Great. I even like how his like button up shirt is like a short sleeve blue stripe button yeah, up. Love it. Yeah, uh, a performance I would like to shout out is our very own Larry Murphy, Evan Bullying. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. We saw him in Fun Home as the yes. dad in Fun Home. I've also seen him in Lord of the Rings the musical. <laughs> shout out to that. So he is just, I feel like now he's a Canadian a legend. He's the dad. He's the dad of every show. I don't even he's... think he is a dad. I think he's. Well, he is now. He's our dad. <laughs> he is the stage dad. It's fine. He has a great singing voice. Yes, his a, voice is so good. Yeah, and he also just has, like, a strong acting presence. Yeah. He's very captivating to watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, anytime that he's on stage. Let's discuss the You Will Be Found moment. Wow. The moment of the show that might be my favorite ever. That's where, like, brings out, like, heaping sobs. Yeah. In- is... In You Will Be Found, which is already an emotional number, Mm -hmm. but the character of Larry Murphy has a really difficult time grieving the death of his son. Zoe says he didn't even cry at the funeral. Like, he he just felt nothing. It's also, again, we don't see it explicitly, but it's um, implied that him and Connor did not have a great relationship. Mm. So there's a moment where the set of this show has a lot of screens and a lot of digital aspect where they're on Facebook and on Twitter and texting and just social media in general. And the Connor project has taken off online and we see photos of Connor as a baby and Mm -hmm. as a toddler. And Larry Murphy is seeing all of this happen and has this moment on stage when he just keels over and fully breaks down. And that's when we Man. fully break so down. <laughs> I mean, we're not parents. We're not anything. No. But I can only imagine a parent mm-hmm. watching that. And I know that my mom and I have talked about that moment, too. To see... Wow, I'm going to cry. So sad. To, <laughs> to see a character have that one moment where you're taken out and yes he's overwhelmed because of all of the amazing things that are happening for their son but to watch that breakdown in a song that's already sad Mm -hmm. is heartbreaking it's so sad they characterize larry as this kind of like man's man yeah doesn't talk about his emotions loves baseball (laughs) loves baseball like doesn't feel anything and he never like really related to his son and you know when to break in a glove when him and evan are kind of bonding and he's trying to to show Evan how to break in a glove because Connor never was interested Mm -hmm. and Evan kind of opens up to him a little bit about his dad and Larry can't even give it back like he's just like incapable of saying anything about that to him he just says you know this is how you break in the glove it it just like rung true as a characterization to me for him to be kind of like so closed off to it Mm -hmm. and also to see like that's how he like shows his love and shows his caring you know maybe that was a way that connor never related to or appreciate or understood yeah it's also interesting to see in a family aspect of like cynthia is so emotional the entire time Mm -hmm. and he's not so to have that one moment Mm -hmm. even if it's just the one like, that's enough for me to yeah. understand the character. That family is so well-drawn. Like, I understand, like, who each of them is and, mm-hmm. like, each of those characters. Yeah. Cynthia really spends most of the show grieving mm-hmm. for Connor. And so she doesn't... I don't know if she quite has the journey as, like, a Larry or a Zoe. Yeah. Or an Evan mm-hmm. has um, in the show. We haven't even talked about Heidi. I know. That's such a... It's so complicated. It's such an interesting It's character. a hard character because in... 
ways I feel terrible for the character of Heidi but then I also understand why Evan lashes out at her yeah for sure to have a mother that's never home mm-hmm. and to work as much as she does like yes she's she's doing all of this for his benefit but he's mm-hmm. a teenager who's having all of these struggles and he mm-hmm. doesn't see it that way so yeah she's a complicated character it is complicated I understand when you know he didn't order the food because he didn't want to have to see the person at the door. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, I relate to that. <laughs> there are a few moments that are super heartbreaking for Heidi's character. When Evan and Heidi get into the fight the mm-hmm. first time. And he says, you don't even care about me. You don't even like me. You hate me. And she says, you're the only good thing that has mm-hmm. ever happened in my life. Like, tears. And then, obviously, the so big, so small moment yeah. of the line. And let me just tell you. Listening to that song, sitting next to your mother, mm-hmm. and having the relationship that my mom and I do is so devastating, but also so comforting at the same time when she says the line, your mom isn't going anywhere, your mom mm-hmm. is staying right here. Your mom isn't going anywhere, your mom is staying right here, no matter what, I'll be here. It's hard to watch and listening to what other people have said to me is that's the only moment in the show that gets them. For me, it I didn't mean, get me the first time when I sat, like t- mm. I technically saw it alone the first time because I sat separately Your parents from my were parents. somewhere else. Yeah. But the second time I saw it with my mom and mm. it got me that time more than it did when I saw it with like you guys. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I did cry. I think it was just like a whole, mostly overwhelming. overwhelming. Yeah. For me, act one always gets me more because act one is like more about the grieving Mm -hmm. whereas act two is kind of more about the consequences of what evan has done so i get like from requiem on when they're just talking about like what connor's absence or connor's death has done to them or meant to them Mm -hmm. that's like what really emotionally gets me but i did cry at the scene with evan and zoe at the end that really i just like sobbed i was just like (laughs) music music okay wow well let me talk about my favorite songs because mine are like upbeat my favorite song okay i have two but let's talk about good for you oh my god me too (laughs) we know this though i love good for you it's like a rockin song it's so good Um, but that's a song that i feel like has a double meaning if you were to just listen to it with no um, well it's like an f off song like (laughs) totally but if you were to just have that song come on shuffle and know Mm. nothing about the Uh storyline it's portrayed very differently than when you see it on stage it's a heartbreaking scene at the end of the day yeah like you know Evan is leaving his mom behind, leaving Alana behind, leaving Jared behind, and they're frustrated with that. Mm -hmm. And then when Evan comes in at the end, and he's like, all I need is some time to think. (laughs) And you're just like, oh, like, everyone, everyone's just misunderstood. No one knows what's happening. But also the vocal performances are great. Oh my god. Um, The staging is great. The lighting in that is The lighting is so good. When they're kind of like three of him surrounding him. That was also right in front of us. Yes. And it was so exciting. We were on the Jared side of the stage. We were on the Jared side. (laughs) He always just like pops up on that side. Yeah. He's like behind a screen and the light just lights up. It's like Jared's back. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I also love Good For You. And also Ben Platt's voice on the original cast recording. Oh my god. When Evan comes in near the end of the song and he just kind of like wails out that note is so good I also really love words fail which mm. is 
the saddest song in the it's show. It's so sad. But there's it's a the, moment. It's confession song. We would yes, say, it's the confession song where he exposes that this is all fake. And I think I love it because it is basically an emotional roller coaster for Evan mm-hmm. specifically. And the family. Yes, but at the same time, like, he's singing at the top of his mm-hmm. range and just, like, never missing a beat. And the part that gets me the most is there's like a little instrumental part where the music changes and Mm -hmm. then he says like he knows that what he did was wrong Mm -hmm. but then tries to explain the fact that if he exposed it from the beginning then he wouldn't think that he would matter at all Mm -hmm. because what if everyone saw what if everyone knew would they like what they saw? Or would they hate it too? And when he does the slam on the brake moment. Yeah, until like the, the callback to waving through, through a window. window. Oh, so sad. It's so good. It's one of the strongest, I think, like vocal performances on that album and mm-hmm. also in the show. Yeah. We I s- mean, we could say that my favorite is Waving Through a Window or You Will yeah, Be Found or window. Sincerely Me or Rock- Like every song is so every good. Every song is so good. Um, my other favorite song is it to break in a glove <laughs> no no sorry it's not to break in a glove is great to watch on stage but like you it, never listen to it on the cast no, recording but and uh, we've like been over that because mm. that's something that yeah never listen to it when we're listening to the entire album straight i never listen to the finale either like me either but it's a beautiful scene to break yeah. in a glove is a beautiful scene to watch it's, on stage you know there are certain things that you need to like move the story along and that's one of those songs i also feel like it's a little relief moment in mm. the show when you're like, okay, I can take a breath now. It gives you insight into who Larry is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also Evan kind of opens up to him a little bit. No, my other favorite song is Disappear. Yes. I love Disappear so much. On the cast recording, Ben Platt and Mike Feist's voice are both so strong and so powerful. And I also just love like the lyrics of it mm-hmm. and the way that they sing over each other. And then I also love, they released a version of that song with Taylor Trench and Alex Bottiello, and I really love that version of that song. Yeah, it's like acoustic. Yeah, it's like a little acoustic, and they both have different kind of voices. Mm-hmm. Taylor Trench is not the belter that Ben Platt is, no. but his voice has a little more character, and I really enjoy that, and Alex Bottiello has a really like kind of great, more like rocky voice, Yeah, and I like the way their voices combine in that song a lot. You're falling in a forest, and when you hit the ground, all you need is for somebody to In the original cast recording of uh, David Hansen and Disappear specifically, I find that there's a moment in the song, it's towards the end, the instrumental becomes super haunting and so when beautiful. It's the instrumental from when Evan is tying the tie. Yes, with that is when it is. Alexander Barth Feldman recently tweeted that, like, how has no one talked about that he has to tie on a stage. Windsor knot on stage, no mirror, with a cast? <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. He's like, practice every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like me in the rehearsal room, like... That's also a moment when Evan gives that speech and then drops his cue cards yeah, and has and a like breakdown. I'm having the breakdown. And he's like in a ball on the floor. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. And then it's he so sings, bad, but so good. He sings "You Will Be Found." Going to "You Will Be Found." Yeah. I mean, I love "You Will Be Found." Yeah. I love "Women Through a Window." I love. 
Actually, to talk about those two right now, um, mm. we noticed, and it's not something I noticed the first time. I know yeah. it's something that you noticed the yeah, first yeah. time. But Evan has a moment in Waving Through a Window where he's standing in the center of the entire, basically, cast. Yeah, yeah. And because he's an outsider, yeah. the he, cast, does a, he, he does, does a little spin. <laughs> which Steph loves. We will have an Instagram story of Steph doing I love spin. the spin. He does a spin, and everybody else spins out. So they're in a circle away from him, and he's just kind of bouncing around the circle and mm-hmm. no one is looking at him no one is paying attention to him and to parallel that and you will be found everybody spins towards evan which is the moment where like he feels included but in that circle connor's not there yes and his mom is not there oh my god you're right yeah so it's just the murphys um jared and alana and mm-hmm. they spin the circle around him and look at him because then heidi comes in that song a little bit later mm-hmm. and that's the first time she's noticing what's happening she's looking around and seeing what her son has been doing that she has no idea about yeah there's also another circle moment in good for you when mm, the three of them when they, he's it's they the turn away from him you, again you you he yeah. looks at each of them but they're not yeah they're looking away from him yeah it's interesting let's also talk about some of the cut songs i want to talk about part of me yeah part of me was i think it's the you it's the original you will be Fan. yeah the original act one finale um from a previous production mm-hmm. and they recently or last year released an album of kind of cut songs yeah or do diff- you know when it was cut i don't know which production it was cut I, don't I think it was at Arena Stage. I don't know if it was off-Broadway. Yeah, me either. It was cut somewhere there. It's really a beautiful song, but it's much darker than yeah. You Will Be Found. You Will Be Found kind of ends Act 1 on an up note, and part of me ends Act 1, would end Act 1 on like a dark note. And it also kind of indicts Evan a little bit more. I yeah. don't know. It, it makes him look bad, I think. <laughs> it does make him look bad, and I think it would change the entire course of the rest of the show if it was kept mm. in there. When I listened to Part of Me the first time, I know that you had listened to and you're like, you have to I listen to this. I love it so much. And I put it on and I was wearing headphones just like on my computer. And the end of the song, Evan says, I think there's something you should know to Zoe. Mm. I think there's something you should know. You make me feel closer to him. A part of me. immediately burst out into tears and then connor says a part Part of of me me. and so he's still present in that moment it's it's haunting it's It's much totally it's much more like instrumental is also very haunting yeah you can hear like pieces of you will be found in there you can understand where they got alone all that stuff yeah Yeah. you understand where they got you'll be found from there and i think it was the correct choice to write you'll be found and put that in that moment but i do think part of me is really beautiful yeah i also think that it being turned into you will be found like you'll be found is sort of the anthem of the show yeah and i think it also that wouldn't have the same anthem-esque no you'll be found hashtag you'll be found and also you'll be found will be used out of context of the show yeah Just those words and the meaning of that. When I saw Stars on Ice last year, You'll Be Found was the finale. <laughs> it was amazing. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely that song is a universal anthem for positive. people feeling like an outsider. Yeah. And, and I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite cut song. I also really enjoy Obvious. Yeah, it's cute. It's like Taylor Trench's voice on it. Is I really like cute. it so much. He sounds so adorable. Why go? Why go? Stating the obvious It's so painfully obvious How could you miss Something that's this plain to see It sounds like the only exception by Paramore. It does! It does! (laughs) 
but it's really sweet. And but I understand again why they brought it to if I could tell her because if let's say they left part of me and obvious in a lot of the songs would have the same like downer tone yeah whereas if i could tell there's more upbeat you'll be found is more upbeat yeah and it just le- brings more levels to the show because if every song was like a downer already the show is rough rough to go yeah through. and i no, it's hard if yeah you need you need that sincerely me moment to pick up the audience <laughs> sincerely and have me a good is so laugh. funny why haven't we talked about sincerely me i love that song <laughs> Also, if you want to watch a great video, Dear Evan Hansen just released Michael Lee Brown playing Connor, Evan, and Jared all in one video singing Sincerely Me. I highly recommend it. He's so great. Um, he's been with the show since the beginning, so shout out to Michael Lee Brown. Yeah. Your Evan. Your My Evan. Evan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that song. I think it's so funny. And it does bring comedic relief and see them as teenagers in that moment. It doesn't let you lose sight of them being stupid teenagers. Mm-hmm. I do want to shout out that this stage and this lighting, it is pretty phenomenal a lot of the emotions are conveyed by where people are standing on stage and where they're moving and there's Mm -hmm. waving through a window and you'll be found is a lot of movement throughout the stage and even alana will come across and sing waving through a window by herself just walking across the stage during a scene change to just convey an emotion in that moment i also as someone who hates projections and screens in musicals i love the projections and screens here they're, they're necessary for they're the story they're used really well like they're not it's not like oh we're in a living room let's project a living room behind yeah. they try to evoke a mood instead mm-hmm. of a literal set yeah so the set is quite minimal so they're not in a realistic place they bring out a couch let's say or a, a bed a kitchen table is yeah it the same bed you think for both things they just change the bedding because you see connor's bedroom and evan's bedroom oh maybe it would be dumb to have two beds just like space wise because the couch is the same couch. They just change, like, pillows versus throw. I don't know. Like, not relevant. But I'm just interested. <laughs> I think it is a great production that, like, carries on the legacy of Daryl yeah. Hansen. And anybody that says that they didn't deserve the lighting, Tony, you're The wrong. lighting is so good. There are so many cute cues that you're like, whoa. The lighting gets me in certain <laughs> moments. When they put that the light right on Larry right before he cries. Oh. <laughs> it's so good. And the um, Dear Evan Hansen letters, him typing that, I like yeah. seeing it. I like seeing... I mean, the Facebook pages are necessary to the storyline. Um, Alana you, is projected a lot on the screen talking to a webcam. They use it for Skype and FaceTime, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's really smart. And it shows you that we're all in this social media yeah. bubble at all times. Yeah. And you when, can't escape it even in When you look at your phone a, and you're messaging someone, like, it brings you back to that. Yeah, it's also something that when you walk into the theater for the first time, there's Twitter feeds up. You hear the pinging Kanye. and everything. Yeah, <laughs> Kanye, DJ Khaled. It also goes through intermission. It's, yeah, that you never escape this social media world, even in a two-hour and 45-minute musical where you yeah. should escape it. Yeah. It's still around you, which I think is true mm-hmm. and powerful and great for teenagers to Yeah, it's one of the key that. messages of the show, like the power of social media and the power of yeah. going viral and what that could mean, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. So as you just heard, obviously, we are big fans of Dear Van Hansen. And since recording, we did have to come back into the car because there's been a development. <laughs> a huge development, honestly. Yes. The Toronto production of Dear Van Hansen had tickets on sale until September 29th. And Mervish just announced that July 21st is the closing night for Dear Evan Hansen. This is shocking, honestly. <laughs> it is. And the words that they used are also kind of strange. It's a strictly limited run. These are fancy words to make it sound fancy instead of we're closing because we didn't sell enough tickets. Yeah, when I read it, 
Well, first of all, let me just describe how I found out because I didn't find out on Mervish's Twitter and I didn't find no, out on you Instagram. Told me, and then I went to Twitter and I was like, where is this information? Where there was she get this maybe stuff? one person that was tweeting about it, but I went on the broadwayworld.com chat boards as I do every day and I clicked on the Broadway category. And the first thing I see is DEH Toronto flops. And honestly, I thought I was clicking on a roundup of reviews from mm-hmm. critics that are negative in Toronto, yeah, which they we've, were. we've read this. Nope. It's a closing <laughs> notice. What happened? I don't understand. I know. When it was announced, we expected it to run past September 29th. There's no shows scheduled in the Royal Alex next year. So they were really... Hoping they to fill it. Turn the theater blue. <laughs> I know. That's a lot of work for this. They did renovations. They honestly, it feels like yesterday they announced this blue room, the digital mm. room in Toronto. Yeah. I don't know. This is, it's really shocking to me. I don't know that this is shocking to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> or just like having a meltdown over yeah. here. But yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Definitely unexpected to me. Yeah, we were fully convinced that um, Hamilton is part of the Mervish 2019-2020 season. It is coming to Toronto in February. I was fully under the impression that both shows would be running here at the same time. Mm-hmm. That is not going to happen nope, now. Nope, um, Yeah, I looked at tickets for kind of the end of its current run, end of July, and it's a very, very available. So you could definitely grab tickets very easily mm-hmm. to the end of its run. So I think it's just maybe a case of... Everyone who'd wanted to see it has already seen it. Well, yeah, I think this is definitely a case of that. It's also specifically with Mervis shows. Once the subscribers sees it and then the fans that trickle in here and there, that's it. This makes me think, is like Hamilton going to do well here? Hamilton is like definitely a limited run, so I think Hamilton will still do well. But Hamilton is only a month less than this now. Yeah, but the hype is still there. And also, Hamilton transcends more to popular culture than Jared Van Hansen did. That's true. Um... A more classic musical, I think, would do maybe better just because of the audience that it yeah. caters to. The Toronto audiences are no- notoriously older, yep. and this is a show that caters to more a younger crowd. And Yeah, and something that I've found, and it's terrible to say, but Canadians don't want to watch Canadians. I know, it's interesting that there's a misconception that the Canadian casts aren't good, whereas I've always found that Canadian casts are fantastic. Yeah, and I think this cast specifically, like, they did their work casting these people, and they... Everyone's so well cast. Yeah, everyone is really well cast, and it's really sad for these actors. <laughs> I know. I'm sad for them. I think they signed on for a while. I agree. I think they, they were ready to keep going. Yeah. I would say... If you can get out, if you're in Toronto, if you can get out to see it before it closes, definitely do. We had a great time at this production. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to pay that much to see it. There are student rush tickets available for $25 and regular rush tickets available for $39 every performance. You go on the Mervish website at 9 a.m. every day. You can also go to the box office if you are in the city. Yep. And then there's readily available tickets up to the end of its run, July 21st. So if you're on the fence about seeing it, don't be and run to see it. Yep. I might see it again. <laughs> Rush that. I'd like to see the other Evan. I'd like to see Me Zachary too. Noah Pizer. Let's go on a Wednesday <laughs> or Saturday afternoon. <laughs> a Saturday afternoon. Some people have to work. <laughs> so you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at off 2 Way Podcasts. Our next episode is the Tony Awards, the 2019 Tony Awards. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.
you will be found.